up, everybody. You're now at your favorite stop for all things sports, politics, and culture. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey, a production of ThatCast Network. Hey, now, say now, you're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. We are here in the beautiful city of Portland, Oregon, per usual, at the Living the Dream Studios. D-Boy, what's the deal? Talk to me, P. I'm ready to talk to the people. You ready to talk to the people? So am I. It's been a little while, so let's make sure that we have uh, some substantial things to say, because I know there's been some things going on out there in the world, and the people have been reaching out about wanting to hear what we have to say on a few of these topics. So um, one of them, which we'll get into here shortly, will definitely be this LeBron James and this NBA and China debacle that's happening right now following the Daryl Morey tweet. But we'll get more into that here in a few. But I do want to backtrack a little bit, D-Boy, and I actually want to talk to you because on the last episode we mentioned the Street Roots family breakfast that was taking place. That obviously happened. You were in attendance. We had that U.S. senator that I talk about actually show up. Now that the cat's out the bag, that U.S. senator was Senator Jeff Merkley. But uh, I just want to ask you, how did you like it, man? How did you enjoy it? It was your, You went, you came to the dinner. Our moms came to the dinner. You were able to kind of see how the whole thing is ran. This was actually my second year. I mean the dinner. The breakfast, excuse the breakfast, me. The breakfast. This was... Uh, my second year going to the breakfast, but I'll be honest with you, I do think this year was a little bit better than last year. And it was also um, for a special reason. This was the 20-year anniversary breakfast. So um, what were some of your thoughts, man, on the on the Street Roots family breakfast? And how was that experience for you? Uh, I think it was, it was flawless. It was laid out perfect. I think, obviously, whoever planned and put it together, they... they covered all the corners because they covered all the bases because it was good. I mean, from the the time we walked in, you had people kind of escorting us and letting us know exactly where the event took place because that's a big-ass building. For it one. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. my the first Oregon time convention being at the convention huge. center, and yeah. that was huge. So uh, from, you know, being greeted at, at the first entry, that was good uh, to be pointed in the right direction and then kind of just the, the mingling time that we had before we actually sat down to meet people and converse uh it was different i don't know displays set up i guess you would want to call uh-huh. it um now are real informative and uh and then you got in obviously they had the breakfast laid out um the speaking went smoothly everybody who had to go up there and speak they spoke well it was impactful and then uh even with the raising money, I mean, I think it was all laid out. It was hit just, the goal. Like I I'll said, tell you that much. Goal exceeded the goal, and, I yeah, should say. And it was, it was just good how how it went. It was smooth. It was enjoyable, and it was informative, uh, to say the least. So I yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah, most definitely. It was, it was really cool. It was a really good breakfast, as I mentioned. I think it was super inspiring. You had, you know, Senator Jeff Merkley, who really shocked me in a sense because. Jeff Merkley actually came into the Street Roots office the day before the breakfast, and he had kind of like an open dialogue with some of our vendors in the Street Roots office. And then the next morning, he comes to the family breakfast and he does the welcome. Well, I'll be honest with you. I expected the welcome to be a little bit dry. I didn't really expect it to be too inspiring. I just kind of saw it as, you know, a thing that was happening. Uh I don't want to say maybe him kind of pandering, but yeah, in a way, him kind of pandering to this audience of 500 people, which I also happen to learn a lot through that. 
um, just kind of hearing conversations as you walk throughout the building and, you know, just overhearing some things. You had some people who were there who've actually uh, helped fund his campaign when he became a U.S. senator. So you, you had really a good connection there as far as um, the base that was there for the Street Roots Annual Breakfast that also support Senator Merkley as a senator, essentially. But he was super inspiring. Like, he laid it all out there. He spoke a lot of truth. He he talked to a lot of the harsh things that are happening uh, in this country. He spoke to a lot of the harsh things that are happening in the White House. He took his jabs at Trump. <laughs> he, yeah, he, I noticed that. He, he, he took his jabs at, at immigration. He, he took his jabs at so many different things. In fact, he was the first senator to actually go to um, these detention centers where a lot of the children um, that get put into these detention centers are basically held at when their parents are caught uh, that are illegal immigrants and things of that sort. And so Merkley was actually the first senator to actually go to these detention centers to see and find out what was going on. Uh, he was able to see and find out some things, other things they wouldn't even allow him to be able to check out and see. He didn't get any entrance to be able to go see some of these things, which is kind of wild for a U.S. senator to not have access to a detention center. Yeah, that's but crazy. He was definitely uh, integral in being able to inform the country on what actually was going on and what actually was being hidden from the public, ultimately. And he talked about that. So, I mean, it was super inspiring. And then, obviously, you had Israel Bayer, who's the former executive director who now oversees the North American Bureau of the International Network of Street Papers. He spoke very well and and talking about where Street Roots came from to where it is now. Our current executive director, Kaya Sands, she always um, is super inspiring with her words, talking about kind of where Street Roots is and the vision, vision we have going forward. And then Desmond, who's been with the organization for 20 years. Usually we do a Vendor of the Year Award where we award one of our vendors for the work that they did in that particular year. But being that it was a 20-year anniversary celebration, we actually decided to do more so of a special recognition for a guy named Desmond, who has been with the organization uh, of all 20 years of his existence. He has been a vendor. He has been a fundraiser. He's still a canvasser to this day. He is still with the organization right now as we speak. So it was really cool to be able to see him honored on such a stage. Um, then you had Chief Sarah Boone, who was the Portland Fire Chief, first African-American fire chief in the city. And she's a woman, by the way, as well, which makes it even more impactful. Right. And she had some inspiring words as well, talked about her family background. Some things people might not necessarily know about I had to go take a picture her. with her after. I liked her speech, too. Yeah, yeah for yeah, sure, yeah. for sure. It was I mean, real she genuine. It real wasn't genuine. one of those mapped out like she was you could tell it was real yeah yeah she she talked about her background and how she grew up and and it was just super inspiring from top to bottom and as i mentioned i mean it was a fundraiser breakfast and we had a goal of forty thousand dollars that we wanted to reach and we did exceed that so that's a big deal thanks to all the street root supporter there for the supporters there for that myself and our development director andrew hogan who i would probably give most of the credit. It was an entire staff thing, but Andrew Hogan, being a development director, I give him most of the credit for putting this fundraiser together, but we were able to kind of say the final words at the event, um, you know, give our thank yous and, you know, appreciate folks for everything that they do for the organization. So ultimately it was super inspiring. 
Um, you still can always go and donate. Go check out um, Street Roots website if you want to be able to donate to our organization. We have definitely been making some prominent moves. And I will talk about Street Roots some more a little bit later in my Take an L segment. Um, some of you might be wondering, hmm, taking L's and he's talking about the organization that he works with. Well, we play a part in the whole scheme of things that I will talk about in that segment. But now I want to talk about LeBron James and what's going on with him and China and really him and the public right now based on some words that he had to say. D-Boy, have you heard much about this whole LeBron James and China? Yeah, I heard about confusion it. I heard about it. It on? was even on South Park. Yeah, it's yeah, everywhere. It's, South Park it, is on top of shit. Yeah, I too, said by the that's way. fast. South like, Park. I mean, how that just he just said it on Monday, and they already verbatim every quoted day. him by damn near Wednesday. Every that day, mean, they South moved, Park, they, they're good. Every day, South Park is really on top of what's going on socially in America, especially like it's it's nuts how fast that they hop on some of this shit. But for those of you who may not really know what's going on with this whole LeBron James deal, um, about a week or so ago. Daryl Morey, who is the general manager of the Houston Rockets NBA team, he put out a tweet um, standing basically in solidarity with some Hong Kong protesters. Uh, basically, they're dealing with a lot of oppression. I'm not going to sit here and try to break down all the issues that are going on in China because you know what? I'm not from China and I don't really know too much about it. But what I do know is um, China <laughs> is a communist country. Uh, there's protesters in Hong Kong that are basically fighting for freedom. And Daryl Morey put out a tweet in support of those protesters in Hong Kong that are fighting for this particular freedom from whatever it is that they are bound by at the moment. Um, within five minutes, he had to take the tweet down. Obviously, we know the NBA is a huge, powerful platform. Um, but beyond just the NBA being a huge, powerful platform, the NBA does a lot, 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 lot of business with China. So once Mori put this tweet out, the Chinese government essentially got pissed off about it. Um, they began stripping broadcast contracts. Well, not stripping contracts, but basically certain deals that were on the table and certain deals that they already had with the NBA. They essentially started lifting them, taking them away. Um, there was a game that was supposed to be broadcasted on one of the most popular channels out in China. They didn't end up broadcasting that. And essentially that affects the bottom line of the NBA because these are some pretty lucrative deals that they have uh, with each other when it comes to the sport and that region. But oh, it's already been a substantial loss as far as finance. Already, it's already been a substantial, substantial loss for yeah, sure. Yeah, that's so, so, so now you fast forward a week later and you have LeBron James, who is the voice of the NBA, face of the NBA, call it what you want. We know LeBron James has not been shy in voicing He's his opinion on just about anything. And LeBron James basically criticized Daryl Morey. And without me saying too much, and I don't have the quote right in front of me at the moment, he said that Daryl Morey may have been uneducated and misinformed about some things. So, being that Daryl Morey was standing for freedom, and being that LeBron James has been somebody who has championed social justice issues for quite some time now, LeBron James is receiving a massive, massive amount. amount, a massive amount of criticism because 
people are basically saying LeBron is choosing the money that he would be making from China, the NBA would be making from China, and he's basically suppressing the actual issue that is happening in China, which Daryl Morey was trying to bring attention to. Now, <laughs> to me, I feel several types of ways about this. First off, I do think LeBron, to an extent, was wrong. Where I do feel like LeBron was wrong was stating that Daryl Morey may have been uneducated or misinformed and not specifying the area that Daryl Morey might have been uneducated or misinformed when he was speaking. He did follow up later with some tweets, basically, you know, kind of backtracking and saying what it was that he meant. But at the particular time when he had the microphone to his face, I felt like he could have got a little bit more in depth on what he actually meant at that particular time, being that he is LeBron James. And, you know, I'm not really going to give LeBron James an excuse here because LeBron James is very well at being able to kind of orate what he thinks, how he feels. He's been very tactful in being able to control his own narratives and controlling narratives that he wants to control. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, well, LeBron's just an NBA player. He's not a politician. He's not uh, 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 somebody who should be responsible for saying what he said or for receiving the criticism that he's getting. I'm not here to, def to defend LeBron in that area right. because he's too good at what he does. Sometimes you just have a bad night. This particular time behind the microphone, he had a bad night. But what I will say is anybody who is out there basically saying that LeBron is some capitalist and that he's being selective about what it is that he wants to talk about and what it is that he wants to discuss and are basically just looking for a reason to criticize LeBron Wake up, please. I, and, and I'm going to tell you the first, I'm going to name drop the first person I want to receive the message, and I might tag him when we post this. Andrew Bogus ass Bogut. He, did you see what he said? I did not see what Andrew he Bogus said. He came out and said, everybody is for the cause until it's cost them money. It sent basically the exact thing, and it was a subtle flex toward uh, LeBron. He's basically saying that LeBron is all about the cause until it's a, Man, LeBron ain't doing it. Like, LeBron money is straight, bro. LeBron, <laughs> it, and he's taking so many risks for the culture that that, that could have costed him money, could have costed for him sure. fans, all the shit. 100%. You me? 100%. So, I think that goes into your point of saying that they need to wake up if they think that. Wake but, up. Uh, and, and, I was surprised that somebody like Andrew Bogut would even say that. Man, it's so many people coming out just finally feeling like they have an opportunity Showing to their shoot true colors, a huh? shot at LeBron, who at, who's pretty much had a perfect image his entire career. This is probably the biggest blemish And if that's the biggest blemish, <laughs> you're doing damn good. Then wake the hell up. Yeah, wake I mean, the hell up. That's but, crazy. But but, but even more so, it's just interesting because I'm seeing LeBron get all of this criticism, but then I look at somebody like a Daryl Morey, who we're now basically pinning LeBron against because he spoke about Daryl Morey in a negative way. Daryl Morey tweeted what he had to say, and then he deleted the tweet. <laughs> so if we're going to sit here and criticize LeBron for being this capitalist, if we're going to sit here and criticize LeBron for not being for the cause, as Andrew Bogut would say. Can we please have that same energy towards Daryl Morey, who deleted the tweet, standing up for these protesters and standing up for freedom or what he perceives to be the right thing? And I'm not saying it's not the right thing, but I'm just saying 
if we're talking about Nori in a, Maury in a nutshell, he stands up for the right thing and literally minutes later deletes the tweet and basically comes out with another statement. The NBA comes out with the statement, but he deletes the tweet and essentially, which tells me he didn't really stand on that. Big ass facts. He didn't really stand on this particular tweet of wanting freedom in this other country in China, basically. So for me, if we're going to say LeBron's not standing on that, but we're going to pin LeBron against Daryl Morey, we have to keep the same energy when it comes to Daryl Morey. And I will say if I had to critique both Daryl Morey and LeBron, and this is part of what I talked about last week, and this is where kind of that whole advocacy conversation that I had last week comes into play. This is why I said advocacy is such a huge deal and it is such an effective way to create change in society. LeBron could have just not said anything, not about Maury, not about China, not on behalf of the rest of the players in the NBA. There's some things you just do not have to speak about. Now, I don't think LeBron was ever saying anything about the politics in China when he was mentioning Maury, but LeBron knows that Maury basically really... He was misinformed. He, shook he didn't know. Yeah, yeah. He shook some shit up, and I don't. And that's not to say Maury was misinformed about what's going on in China. Maury was misinformed. He was misinformed on about the, the backlash about what's going to happen. That would come yeah, from because what, that's what. Ha- look at where. And to even <laughs> to go even deeper, people don't realize that Maury is the coach of the Houston Rockets. Manager, he, general he, manager. Yeah, and 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 he. The Rockets is the biggest thing in China as far as the NBA, damn near. What y'all, y'all yeah, mean. that's what I'm saying. What y'all <laughs> mean being the affili- you know the affiliation with that, and I mean since since then, like since the Yao Ming time, Houston Rockets have been huge in China, and it's never went away. So even more so with it coming from there, it's almost like a, a cousin, you now, know. Now and if that and now I will actually take some of what I bet said back, what you saying that if that's the case then, okay, more you might have actually had a little bit more to stand on than I may have given you credit for in speaking on Chinese politics because you are you do have the Houston Rockets connection. Right. There is the Yao Ming connection with the Houston Rockets organization. But once again, not knowing the... the, the the weight that it held, like if if it That's, was, you know what I mean. If it's disagreed with, it's not just a oh we sweep it under the rug. Whatever he said was so intensified and so and he didn't dis- say it, much to his credit. He didn't say so much, but he con- said it. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> he he got involved in their politics, and that's why I said whatever that, the opinion was was an opinion I was heavily disagree with enough to where, like I said, I mean, you stripping uh, televised games, you yeah. stripping contracts. They said. Anybody that was affiliated with the yeah, Houston Rockets apparel China. deals, everything it's a wrap. that we own, we yeah, pro- everything yeah. we probably have on right, right now, now is, is made, made in China. China. But 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 I, I don't want to contradict myself either because I've always been somebody on this podcast who have who has felt like oppressed groups should support each other, especially when they can. And then you hear me come on last week's podcast, and I'm really talking about and discussing advocacy and really narrowing down who and what you advocate for based on whatever your passion is, based on whatever it is that you identify as, based on whatever it is that you may have lived experience in or whatever it is that you may have been educated in. So me, for example, on this podcast, we've had guests come on and we've had them come and talk about 
Um, for an example, Native American and Native American masketry. Jacqueline Keeler came on and be exact to talk about that. Now, listen, I'm not your guy to really sit here and discuss Native American mas masketry on an expertise type of a level. But what I can do is I can bring in somebody who does study this, somebody who is Native American and has lived experience, somebody who is educated very well on these issues and have them come to my platform and share my platform with them to be able to give my listeners some true understanding, some true background and, and, and some true education on why Native American masketry is an issue. Same goes, same goes with, with rape culture. I had Jessica Luther on here. She's got a New York Times bestselling book in regards to college sports and rape. So why wouldn't I sit here and have Jessica Luther come on this show, who obviously has done a shit ton of research on this subject, being that she was able to write a New York Times bestselling book on it. If you hear me, I'm probably going to be a little bit more passionate about black issues. I'm probably going to be a little bit more passionate about athlete activism because one, I'm black, two, I'm born and raised an athlete, all this stuff. And now even look at me today. You can go on my Instagram. You'll see the news clips. You'll see me advocating for the homeless community. You know why? Because I've been working with the homeless community for a year and a half now. And by the way, let me say this. I've had plenty of opportunities some of these press conferences and, and these news clips and, and, and these public forums and these public public platforms that you're seeing me discuss homeless issues on right now today within these last couple months, I've had these opportunities, these types of opportunities come my way for just about the last year now. And for a long time, I turned them down. Why? Because I never had lived experience being homeless, but I was working with the homeless community and I felt like I needed to wait maybe a year or so before I started to go public on the media talking about and discussing these issues because I wanted to be more educated on it. I wanted to be more versed on it. I wanted to have a better understanding on it. So that way, when I did get on the news or when I did get on these public platforms, what I had to say would be substantial. It would have some truth to it. And I would just flat out know what the hell I'm talking about. I turned down a lot of those opportunities for a long time because I didn't really know too, too much. I was coming into the organization as more of a journalist. That turned into me getting a vendor program coordinator job, which ultimately led to me getting a vendor program manager job. So I say all that to say one thing, advocacy, it's, it's another reason why I think it's the way to go because you get involved with other people's politics. It might backfire, whether good or bad. I'm not here to really distinguish that because you can only allow an offended party to be able to tell what it is they are or are not offended by. I'm not saying Maury was wrong with anything he said. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just telling you that's the way the world works. So for me, all the people that are criticizing LeBron that are looking for a reason to criticize LeBron because he was not on the side of Maury in this, can you just please Please, please, please highlight the fact that Maury did not stand on his tweet and Maury took back what it was that he had to say for the same reason that you're saying LeBron James is in the wrong for what he said about Daryl Maury. If you can acknowledge both, 
I can I can have you can a conversation with, yeah, with you. you can I that. can live with that. But if you're only going to singularly attack LeBron James because you feel like he is being moralist because of the almighty dollar, please, please, please stay the hell away from me because I don't want to hear it. Yeah, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. Next up, though, we're going to go to the NFL. We're going to do a little bit of Pouncey's picks. D-Boy, I'm up. Right now, I hope yeah, you I know. Think you up two zero. I'm up two zero right now since we started hey, doing man, it. I started zero three in my fantasy, and I've been on a roll ever since. Yeah, so sometimes right. you start slow to finish strong. All yeah. right, well we're gonna see Pouncey's picks coming up next. Keep it locked. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey. Keep it locked, folks, as we continue to give you a winning formula. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. Visit thatcast.com for more great content on Thatcast Network. Well, I wish we could have did tonight's game just because it is a uh, a division game for both of us Raider fans here. But I also we think we both would have picked the same, same team. Yeah. So I'm actually happy maybe that we didn't do tonight's game. It was the Chiefs versus, versus the Broncos. The Chiefs won 30-6. The Broncos fucking suck. But the Chiefs did get a bad deal because Patrick Mahomes went out with what may be a dislocated knee, which is not a good thing for the Kansas City Chiefs. Worst thing that could happen to the Kansas City Chiefs, Worst I'm thing, pretty sure. Especially if he has to end up being out for the whole season. Well, man, if, he, be honest. If, if he has to be, I'll say this, if he has to be out for like a few weeks... Maybe it's not the worst thing that could have happened for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I did hear a commentator say it might not be, but a co- like I heard it might not be long based on how the the reaction and people's right. mood was. But it, you still never they, know. They jumped out to a five and two start. So being that they are at a five and two start, you know what I'm saying? I'm I, I'm I'm not mad at that being the case right now for them. Um, but. What I will say is I'm hoping I'm hoping that he's not out for the season because he probably was the leader in the MVP race up to this point. Um, so I don't want to see that be the case. But if not, then, um, hey, what can I say? It is what it is. But, um, yeah, going, going beyond that, going beyond that, D-Boy, what, what you thinking? What you feeling right now as far as this week's picks? Let me get some games here piped up. Um, as far as for this week in football, I'm going to win. I'm going to tell you that much first. Okay, I well, think, you're down 2-0 right now, yeah, so let's just make right. that very, very clear to the listeners. Yeah. I'm up 2-0 in Pouncey's pick, so... Let's, let's, pull with, the, let's pull with the Rams in Atlanta. Okay, I'm rolling with the Rams. Yeah, I'm rolling with the Rams, too. Let's pull with Oakland and Green Bay. Aaron I'm fooling with Oakland. Quarterback. I'm, I'm fooling with, with Oakland. Bay. Okay, you All got right. Green Bay. I got Oakland. I so got Green Bay. We both got the Rams. You got Green Bay. I'm going with the Oakland Raiders. We'll get them. Even though the Packers 5-1 and one right now, they sitting pretty. But I got confidence in the Raiders coming off of a bye week. Um, the, the, the Green Bay Packers just played on Monday, so they have a short week that they're coming off of, a short week. I don't think they'll be nearly as fresh as the Raiders. So I think the Raiders can pull that one out. Because Philly and Dallas. Leaders. That's a good game. Three and three both. I, I mean, that's, that's a good game. It's a meaningful and, and, game and, and the Cowboys are on a three-game losing streak. They started off 3-0. and They did basically the opposite of my fantasy. I started yeah. off 0-3, and, and I've been 3-3 three and three now. They started they off 3-0, and now they're 3-3. and three. So They need to come out of that It's definitely rut. something going on there. They but, need uh, to come out of that rut. Who you rolling with? Oh, I'm going with uh, I'm going with Dallas. I'm going, going with Dallas? Dallas? I'm going with Dallas. All right. I'm going to go with uh, Philadelphia on that one. 
Is it? Yes, yeah, what you want? That's I'm what you want. Philadelphia. I'm going with Philly. All right, so that's three My games, right? Com- comrades would be happy. Most of them are Philadelphia. Yeah, and I got Alshon Jeffrey. I'm gonna be honest, but I just think overall, I think uh, Dallas gets it done. So I'm gonna definitely pick that. Um, another game that I think would be interesting to select from might just be the struggling Chargers versus the Tennessee Titans. Mariota is Mariota is he hurt or is he just He's, not making no noise? They just suck right now. They and just they, fired like their whole staff. Well, I mean, the Chargers is two and four their, as well. So. Yeah, both teams are pretty bad. So I mean, I, I guess that I mean, two bad teams can equal a good game. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I've always been a Philip Rivers guy. I think he's one of the elite quarterbacks in the game and has been for quite some time. Uh, the dice haven't rolled in his favor, obviously, more times than not. But uh, I think I think the Philip Rivers factor would give me the uh, the Chargers. So you roll with the Chargers. I'm rolling with the Chargers too. Like okay, I said, that the, makes sense. The Tennessee Titans are just in they a just, fucking yeah. They just blew up everything. Right huh? They're in a mess. In fact, uh, I saw Canzano. I didn't read it, but I did see uh, John Canzano. My guy. Shout out to Canzano. Um, some of you might know the history between he and I. Uh, he was. Really, essentially, the person that really kind of gave me my first platform in the broadcast industry, but he's also a dynamite sports columnist, one of the best writers in the country. But I did see that he wrote something about basically the Tennessee Titans parting ways with Marcus Mariota because they're pretty much parting ways with everybody else on their staff. So it's, it's just a shit show over there in Tennessee. So that's not who I'm rolling with. So who have we picked so far? We got, four, we got four games. We've so far picked... The uh, Philly and Dallas game, we yeah. picked Oakland and Green Bay, we yeah. picked the Rams in Atlanta, and we just picked the one we was talking about, the week game. Okay, one more. So, Give me uh, one more. All right, uh, let me see. I'm going through here right now. I don't know which one I want to pick. Uh, Baltimore Ravens in Seattle. I'm going with Seattle. And I know we both was. I'm going with Seattle. Seattle is looking damn good. I, what I'm really waiting it's four for. It's 4-2, 5-1. So, I mean, no, it's close two good teams. Record. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Baltimore is pretty good, too. Lamar Jackson has gotten off to Baltimore. a good start. I'm going yeah, with Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good for you. Baltimore. Good for you. Lamar Jackson has definitely gotten off to a really good start this year as a quarterback. And it makes me especially happy because he's a black quarterback. And it makes me even more happy that both of these teams are doing really well. And you have two black quarterbacks facing off other, against yeah. each other this week. It's going to so be a good be, game, at It'll be the battle of the yeah, brothers behind center. That. So, so uh, I got Baltimore and Baltimore and Seattle. I got uh, Dallas in the Philly and Dallas game. I got the Chargers in the Chargers and Titans game. I got Green Bay in the uh, Oakland and Green Bay game. And last but not least, we both got the Rams, right? In the Rams yeah. versus uh, Falcons. We both got the Rams in that all game. Right, cool. All right, That's all right, good. I'm with that. That's well, uh, yeah, we got Pouncey's picks out of the way. Next up, we have our Take an L segment. Keep it locked. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. We're here, baby. Keep it locked, folks, as we continue to give you a winning formula. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. Visit thatcast.com for more great content on ThatCast Network. D-Boy. Talk to me. I'm here. Losses and lessons, man. It's the taking L segment right here, right now on the Wake Up and Win podcast. We gave y'all the winning pot, the winning formula on how not to uh, criticize LeBron James without criticizing Daryl Morey as well. Instead of trying to pin those two against each other and support Morey because he tweeted and deleted, <laughs> rather than support facts. LeBron because facts. he criticized Morey for tweeting and deleting. Yeah, um, if you're gonna if you're gonna go that hard on LeBron, please do the same for Daryl Morey for being a tweeter and a deleter. Um, <laughs> I 
I would have to say, and if you were a listener, I think that majority would have to rule that I at least gave you the winning formula on some of the picks on this week's NFL schedule. Um, obviously we got Pouncy Picks. That's our segment that we've been rocking with here on the Wake Up and Win podcast. I haven't lost in that segment. So if I were y'all, I would just say, you know, Devon Pouncy gave us the winning formula in that particular segment because D-Boy hasn't necessarily been able to dish a W out. Ask him what his fantasy been looking like, though. My fantasy is terrible. (laughs) I just had to take it off me right now. My fantasy, I'm 2-4, though. I've I've actually been in that position before. I rally off a couple games. Once I get back to 500, which will happen probably in the next three to four games, I'm I'm doing all right. It's a long season, a lot more football left from the fantasy perspective, but fuck all that. We ain't talking fantasy. We talking Pouncey's picks. Um, but now it's our taking L segment. D-Boy, you want to get us started? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, I'm going to have to say, and like we always say, it's uh, taking L stand for losses, lessons, the whole nine. And uh, this, you know, for, for lack of a better term, is truly a loss. Uh, I want to go ahead and, and say... That this week's go ahead and goes to the family and friends of Patrick Day and especially Charles Conwell. If you guys don't know, today, um, this morning, I believe, uh, Patrick Day passed away. He's a boxer, a professional boxer who just recently had a fight with Charles Conwell and uh, he was knocked out and it led to further complications, brain trauma that eventually led to his death. Um, Upon being knocked out, he suffered a seizure that put him into a coma, and uh, he had an emergency brain surgery, and he fought for four days, fought you know against that procedure for four days, and uh, today he just succumbed to his injury. So um, I know that has to be tough on the friends and family. First and foremost, this is a 27-year-old man who just passed away doing something that he loves to do. Uh, making a lot of money doing it and providing for his family. So obviously that's the first level of, you know, sorrow that I have. But next goes to Charles Conwell. It was very tear jerking to read his statement saying that if he could, he would give it all away. Nobody deserves to die, you know, from doing something that they love, especially boxing. Uh, He said that basically that the fight is haunting him. Uh, He keeps replaying it in his head and wish that, it would go a different way and he would take it all back. Um, and so I can only imagine, uh, you know, competing against somebody that I have respect for, competing with somebody that I know, you know, takes these risks day in and day out. Um, same as such with football and all of these other sports. Um, I can only imagine, you know, all one, all you want to do is win and it ends up coming at the cost of somebody else's life for real. And so, uh, you know, like I said, I, I guess it was unavoidable. They were competing. It was it was a clean, you know, a clean fight. And it just was, I guess, the horrible, the most horrible outcome you can get in a boxing match. So once again, that's what I want to basically send my condolences out to and say that's a tragic loss to the family, the boxing community, and his opponent, Uh, you know, Charles. Yeah, that was 100% a loss there. Um <laughs> For real. You know, I, I, you and I actually on the way here to the studio, we talked about um, some of the stuff that you said Max Kellerman 
had to say yeah, in yeah. regards to this being kind of one of the unfortunate happenings that happens within the sport. And facts, you know, I mean, I mean, as bad as that may sound, there is some truth to that. Um, I mean, you could die in a street fight on the streets. And so imagine, you know, fighting somebody who's actually trained <laughs> to fight and who actually knows the most effective way to be able to knock a person out, the most effective way to hit somebody. Now, with that being said, maybe they're trained as on how to kind of stay safe as well, but mm-hmm. that's you trying to keep yourself safe. That's not the opponent trying to, you know, make it a super safe bout. Like, at the end of the day, we're dogs. We're in this ring. I'm here to get you. Um, but yeah, it's super unfortunate. And you, you're why? Oh yeah, you're watching. No, it yeah, I watched the last he, final uh knockout he, that happened. I mean, yeah, you could clearly tell on impact his head hit the canvas, and I could I could see. Look, ah, I, and that was dead. the last. Was, yeah, was it, it was over, and so I could that see that it. turning into a seizure. I've never yeah. seen somebody the way that he's just breathing, and at that yeah, time it was, was it was an ugly he knockout. Was, yeah. And even to further go into it, uh, the opponent that knocked him out is only 21. That's such a, tra- a traumatic, traumatic experience at such a young age. This is an early rising star, and uh, you know that, that's just it's a terrible it's a loss. It's, it's a terrible a loss. loss man. It's definitely a loss. So like you said, prayers for Day's family. Prayer for every prayers for everybody involved. Prayers, the, boxing community, for the boxing community, everybody, fans, everybody, because you. You, the worst thing that could possibly happen within a sport can happen. Mm-hmm. And although it doesn't happen often, we know that boxing brings a lot of long-term health and mental effects mm-hmm. for folks. This just happened to be more so of a short-term happening where he ended up passing away. So, yeah, that's definitely a loss. And last everyone. but not least, I but when I seen the headline before I seen who actually passed away, I thought it was going to be related to UFC. Just... Knowing why, how why much, that? I mean, it's just a lot. You don't hear about, you don't hear about deaths. Period within boxing or UFC too often, but right. with the rigorous amount of freedom they, I mean, in UFC it's a lot more straight stomp into the head. I feel like, and a lot more just gory type of injuries and things that it's like more of a free for all in a sense. I yeah. think boxing is still more regulated where UFC just seems dangerous where like I said upon seeing the headline I just assumed due well, to the trauma and the crazy shit that I do see in UFC. Well, I think the difference with UFC though is like it's also a lot more elements to um that style of fighting than boxing where boxing you're pretty much going blow for blow. You're you're from, yeah, the, from waist the waist up. up. You're from the waist yeah. up. And, and mostly most of head. the time you're going for a person's head. Where in UFC, you can get somebody in a submission. You can break somebody's leg. You can injure yeah. and, and, and impact other parts of the body that yeah, can that break makes somebody sense else too. down. To where I, yeah. I'm not necessarily surprised. or Nor would I say that I would expect that this would happen in a UFC fight more so than a boxing match just because you do have more options to beat somebody rather than trying to knock them the hell out. Yeah. Like I said, you put somebody in a submission, you you mess their leg, you do anything. That's a good you point. Can I can see that. Shots. But like so, I said, I've just seen I, yeah, too many gory situations yet. where it's just, you know. And bad. I don't like UFC. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I, I would think far. It's, I, yeah, I, mean, I, even I don't think it should be allowed. About but UFC is big. People love that shit. People love UFC, but I would far much rather watch a boxing match than a UFC match and a lot of that probably has to do with growing up that's what I was more so exposed to was boxing even 
you know, in street fighting, um, even in being taught how to fight, it was more so from a boxing perspective rather than like a mixed martial arts perspective. So yeah, I, I'm more of a fan of boxing and I, I don't like kind of the nastiness that you do actually get exposed to on all parts of the body when it comes to the UFC. But um, I got to do my taking L's. And earlier I said that my organization would be a part of it. But believe you me, I'm not giving my organization an L. I knew you um, wasn't. <laughs> I'm giving an L to Multnomah County. Um, and this is not a shot at any Multnomah County officials. In fact, I just did a press conference yesterday with uh, Chair Deborah Kafori and um, a few of the other county commissioners for the Domicile Unknown Report, which is a report that us at Street Roots um, we collaborate with uh, the Multnomah County Medical Examiner's Office, Multnomah County, um, and a few other folks to basically report the deaths that happen on the streets um, based on, you know, folks being homeless and houseless. And the report, because we, for one, don't want those people to get forgotten about. For two, a lot of those deaths get swept under the rug as as well as many other things um, in regards to the homeless community get swept under the rug. But the reason why I want to give an L to the county is really so maybe we can learn a lesson and really start to make a push on changing some things for the better. Um, the results came out and at minimum, there were, based on the information that we were able to gather in the report, mind you, we've been doing this annual report since 2011, at minimum 92 people died on the streets. And that's a pretty high number. Um, it's definitely the highest number of people that have died on the streets since 2011 when we started doing this report and the numbers continue to rise and continue to go up. But 92 people is a lot of people dying on the streets of a city, <laughs> mm -hmm. being homeless. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of reasons, you know, drug use being one of them, being probably the most prominent one. Um, you've got violence. The homicide rate has went up. We had a double-digit amount of folks die when it comes to homicide, suicide, a lot of different reasons. But ultimately, you know, it's just something that I feel like people should really know about and understand that, this is something that is happening uh, when it comes to humanity, especially those who have some kind of heart, some kind of passion um, and, and any kind of feelings towards humanity. And it's just something that we really need to work on. So I'm not giving the county an L because the county is taken because the county isn't trying to do anything about it or because the county has made a bunch of bad or wrong decisions. I'm just giving the county as a whole an L because this is happening right here in Multnomah County where the city of Portland is. And it's going to take an effort from everybody in the community, everybody in the county to really try and push for housing, especially going into an election year in 2020, really start to learn about um, different options for housing the poor, for different options on how to get people off the streets. And no, I'm not talking about warehousing people like Trump. I'm saying legitimate options because even when you hear warehouse and you try to shelter folks, that really, to me, masks the problem. I mean, most of my listeners, most people, you know, that I know aren't homeless and live a regular lifestyle. And you have your four walls that you get to go into where 
even the people that you are in those four walls with, you get to choose who those people are. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going into a shelter. You're not, and I'm not anti-shelter, by the way. I'm just saying you're not going into a shelter. You're damn sure not going into a warehouse with however many different people that are complete strangers and we're all fighting for survival and we're all in this high stress. We're all in this high trauma environment establishment to where everybody's on edge everybody is liable to act or react in a way that may that they may or may not necessarily want to or in a way that they may or may not have to necessarily act or react if they had housing and they had their own four walls to go into um once their day was done so like i said this is more so a lesson for the county um going into the election year check out different housing bonds check out um what's going on um and what what bills are being put out there and 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 what kind of legislative options are out there in 2020 to try to help create a solution so that these numbers don't continue to rise as they've been doing and so um yeah that's what my l is going to um you can look it up you can go to my instagram we talked about i posted a clip talking a bit about it i was on a coin news yesterday and i think k2 actually uh filmed the entire the entire press conference where like i said i spoke uh, our executive director kaya kaya sand spoke um chair kafori spoke we had a couple of doctors from the medical examiner's office speak and just really start to kind of look into the domicile unknown report as well to get more educated and more informed on what's going on out there and how to be a part of the solution um d-boy any announcements anything you got coming up what's going on with you uh well, we going to the Boo Bomb concert at the Motor Center. Yes, That's local can. news. Uh, you know, Ice Cube, E Forty, Baby Bash, and uh, who else? Ice Cube, E Forty. Oh, Genuine, Genuine, Genuine. Yeah, it's kind of a weird lineup when you think about it, but I guess not. You got two rappers and two. Would you call Baby Bash a singer or a rapper? Uh, he kind of got a little weird pocket because he has a he lot of both. people sing his hooks though, yeah, and I then he kind of Baby Bash yeah, is a rapper. Yeah, he has a lot of people sing his hooks, the yeah, Sugar yeah, Sugar, yeah, 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 all yeah. of that. But yeah, he's yeah, it's a rap. That's a rap. Yeah. So uh yeah, that'll be out here. Uh two of those, Baby Bash and E40 being from Vallejo. So that's gonna be cool. Nice little Bay Area reunion out here in Portland. Like we say a lot of times, you know, we cousins right here on the West Coast, board uh touching each other on the States, you feel Mm -hmm. me? So I'm a rub. Yeah, that's cool. Uh we still working on getting this album out on the all platforms. I did have a significant amount of support and just recently sold out on the hard copies for the release of my album, Life Outside Social Media. Thank you. I think this past week, uh, the last four CDs end up being received from, you know, people who purchased and supported that. So shout out to the people who was on it early with the hard copies. Who knows? Maybe I'll re-up and do some more. But in the meantime, be looking for that online soon. And other than that, I'll keep y'all posted on a weekly basis. For sure. Um, as for me, what I got, I'm taking a week off next week from Street Roots. <laughs> I'm excited about that, actually. I mean, I've been busy and I've been going, especially since taking on that new position as vendor program manager in March of this year. Um, I didn't really have the opportunity to take much time off. Yeah, I traveled to Germany, but Germany was actually a work trip. So it wasn't a vacation necessarily for me to be able to relax when I wanted to do what I wanted to. I had to go to the to the to the 
street paper summit that we had out there. So I had obligations when I took that trip. Sure, I was able to incorporate a whole lot of fun into it, but never really got to relax or really have a break. So next week, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to sit home. I'm staycation. Gonna watch, uh, it's a staycation. I'm going to watch the NBA. It's opening week of the NBA, which I'm super excited about. So I'll just be watching a bunch of basketball. Plus, that'll help get me in the mode because I got to get ready to start broadcasting. Um, November 5th will be my first game broadcasting with Portland State this year. They do have an exhib- exhibition game on October 30th, but that game won't be broadcasted, so I won't be on the call for that. But starting November 5th, when I'm on the call for my first game at Portland State, I- I'm off to the races all the way through March Madness as far as uh, college hoops commentating is concerned. Um, I'll still be doing Pacific University's commentary as well. So it's definitely about to pick up on the basketball end. So I could use this week off to refresh, watch, watch hoops, get some rest, and really get, bit, get, get myself mentally and physically prepared for what is actually the busiest part of the year for me. From November to March, I'm working my full-time job. You got the holidays, and I'm doing games by night. So um, yeah, uh, and doing them for two different universities and three teams because with Pacific, I do men's and women's games there. So, um, yeah, I'm excited about it, though. It's definitely, like I said, the winter, especially in Portland, is interesting because it's cold, it's rainy, and it's when everybody kind of relaxes and kind of gets themselves together and try to prepare for the spring and the summer when the sun comes ba- back out for the few months that it does out here. But for me... I feel like the winters out here is kind of a go- a gold mine because um, there's still a whole lot of activity. And while everybody else is resting, you can really kind of get your grind on and try to elevate yourself and move past some of those folks that may be getting a little bit too much rest. So I'm here for it. I love the sport of basketball. And obviously, once the season comes around, um, I'll definitely be announcing the games for both schools, both universities. Um, and you'll be able to hear me on the call for those particular games. It was one more thing that I think I wanted to say. Oh, next week, D-Boy, we got to get in here actually soon. Um, it has to be a quick turnaround because, as I did mention, Tuesday is opening night for the NBA, so maybe Sunday or Monday we got to try to squeeze our way in here to the studio and give our predictions this year on what we think will be taking place in the NBA so that we can have it for the people for opening day and opening night to listen to. And so that you can hold us here accountable on this podcast for what we think is going to happen and what I think is going to be a crazy NBA season. And I think it'll be a lot harder to predict what will happen this particular season than past seasons because we've had the dominance of certain players of certain teams where this year I just feel like it's wide open for everybody to kind of shoot their way to the top and I think that guys are really going to give it their all to make it happen speaking of giving it your all make sure you all are giving it your all in whatever it is that you're doing and uh, we're going to leave this podcast the only way that we know how and that is to stay woke and go in.